Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And uh, we are going down to Georgia. Uh, we're not going with the devil, we're going with Scott Rasmussen independent pollster and a great friend of the show. Scott, how are you today? Well, I was getting a little nervous about that introduction, but <laughs> you're, you're a music guy. You can appreciate a good, uh, a good fiddle. And, uh, That's uh, right. of course there's That's a lot of, a great. lot of fiddling going on down in the, uh, the state of Georgia. Of course, uh, one race, uh, has been called, uh, Senator Lech Warnock, uh, uh, held off, uh, Senator Leffler, uh, in that, uh, contest. The other is still a little too close to call. Uh, between uh, Ossoff and uh, Senator Purdue, and uh, you you watched that race really close down there. You followed it along. Uh, what's your take uh, as we get to the the bottom of the barrel in terms of uh, counting those votes? Well, you know, it looked uh, for a long time like it was going to be an incredibly close race, and that's exactly the way it turned out. Uh, not really a surprise because it was very close in November. Uh, you know, this is a this was a battle not about individual candidates, but about control of the U.S. Senate. And uh, I think the one thing that, that has not been discussed enough in terms of analyzing what we can learn from this election is the unbelievable amount of spending that was done. They spent about two, both, everybody combined spent about $200 per voter to get somebody to the polls. I mean, that's a huge advertising budget. Wow, that's uh, that is amazing, and of course the uh, uh, the balance of power there uh, in the United States Senate uh, really hanging on uh, a single Senate seat now. Uh, as we look at that, uh, but I, I've been saying all morning that it's sort of the uh, uh, here's your new boss, same as the old boss, as uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, Chuck Schumer will continue to be the bosses of the Senate. Uh, how do you see that playing out? Uh, whether the the Democrats do take control. Uh, or if the uh, Republicans uh, barely hold on? Well, uh, let's, let me begin by saying control of the Senate is uh, perhaps the wrong term. Uh, hardly anybody can control the Senate when it's as closely divided as it is. Um, what I see is 
you know, the most likely outcome right now is Democrats will have technical control of the Senate. I believe they'll pick up this 50th seat. Um, and what that means is that not Chuck Schumer, but Joe Manchin becomes the most important Democrat. Right. Um, if the Republicans somehow hang on to this seat, if Purdue can keep his job, well, then Susan Collins becomes the most important Republican or maybe Mitt Romney. You know, I mean, so we're talking about no matter no matter how that race turns out, a small group of people, Romney, Collins, Manchin, uh, you know, they're going to be playing a critical role in trying to bridge the divide in the U.S. Senate. And uh, nothing about this final race is really going to change that. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting, too. There's uh, there was some interesting work done by some uh, University of Utah professors uh, about what happens when a, a party has all three, has both uh, the House, the Senate and the White House. Uh, and their their success rate is not really good at actually getting things done. It's only like 43 percent of the uh, major bills uh, actually made it through, whereas when it was divided government, it, the number was actually 49 percent uh, got through. Yeah, and I, Go ahead. Well, I, I think that makes sense because, you know, right now, uh, especially if the results hold in Georgia and the Democrats control the Senate uh, or whatever the proper term is there, uh, the progressive left is really going to begin pushing Joe Biden for a bold agenda. Um, and it's that's not a practical alternative. What it's going to do is lead to Republican victories in 2022. Uh, if Joe Biden had to deal with Mitch McConnell as the leader of the Senate, well, you know, then then the uh, then the progressive wing of his party might not be happy, but at least they'd understand. But when you control all the government, uh, then the desire to to uh, make things happen, to ignore the other side becomes uh, pretty appealing and pretty damaging. Yeah, uh, that's it's so fascinating because it is the uh, the divided government actually unites the parties better than if you have control of of all of it. That tends to divide your party. That's right. And and you know, we have to remember that um you know both parties have pretty substantial divides. In the Democratic Party right now, there is an establishment wing and a woke progressive wing. In the Republican Party, there's a Trump MAGA nation wing, and then there's the more traditional Republicans. Um, and these sides are fighting it out amongst each other as much as they are uh, with the other party right now. And what they're really doing is they're fighting about some of yesterday's issues. So you and I have talked many times about the fact that uh, we have leadership now in Washington who are all uh, you know, in their 80s or close to their 80s. A generational change is coming. And I don't think that in 2024 and 2028, we're going to be looking at the same demographic makeups of the parties. Things are being shaken up in a pretty significant way. Wow, and that really leads me to uh, one thing I want to hit with you before you uh, we let you go today, and that is uh, uh, all of this, to me, really points to something you've talked about so often uh, and so passionately and so importantly that uh, it's often these kinds of disruptions and these things that we think are so important uh, often really aren't a lot, often that real innovation that, Thing that impacts the the country and the world forever uh, are not happening in our nation's capital, but uh, in other places. Well, that's right, and uh, you know I found that one sure way to 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 anger almost anybody who's passionately following these the Georgia race or something else right now is to highlight a column that I wrote for the Deseret News uh, before <laughs> the election, in which I said that you know the fate of the world, the fate of our democracy, is not on the ballot in November. 
And, uh, you know, people on both sides want to believe that it is. Uh, but in fact, the culture still leads. Uh, politicians lag behind. And what we see right now is we're, we're heading into a holding pattern. I mean, the Biden administration, the very narrowly divided Senate, the very narrowly divided House, uh, there is an opening for someone to come along and, and begin to redefine the political dialogue. And uh, for the sake of our nation, I really hope that we find that person soon. Yeah, we are uh, we are in real need there. Uh, all right, uh, we will continue to uh, to watch this closely. Scott Rasmussen, always appreciate his perspective, his column. Uh, you can always pick up at Deseret.com or on our Facebook page here for Inside Sources. Uh, Scott, good luck to you, and uh, we will talk to you real soon. Look forward to it, Boyd. All right, again, that's uh, Scott Rasmussen joining us there. And uh, if you've been following us throughout the uh, the hour, we've been uh, watching the proceedings taking place in Capitol Hill, the counting of the electoral votes. Uh, if you're just uh, joining us, uh, they have divided back into their respective chambers. The Senate is now debating uh, the contested ballots for the state of Arizona. The House is doing the same in their chamber. Uh, they have up to three hours to make those cases on both sides. Uh, then a vote will be taken. They'll uh, return to a joint session presi- presided over by the vice president and uh, the Speaker of the House, and the counting uh, will continue. So we'll keep following that. Uh, but on a day like today, I, I think it's so important to to remember what uh, Scott Rasmussen has shared with us on this program before, uh, that, uh, you know, really interesting. In 1980, uh, a presidential commission published a national agenda for the coming decade. So this is a national agenda for uh, for the next decade. And in that section, there was a nine-page section on science and technology, 1980. The word computer was not mentioned. (laughs) Uh, And so a lot of these things that we we stress and we worry about in terms of the balance of power and which political parties are doing what, uh, there are people in a garage somewhere creating an invention that uh, will will change our world such as the computers have. Uh, And they won't be the names that we know or the people that we expect. Uh, But the most important thing for all of us to keep in mind today uh, is that our politics is a bit broken in this country, to say the least. Uh, But America is not. Uh, And it's because of places like Utah and communities like we have here uh, that I have great hope. I've never been more pessimistic about some of our politics and our politicians. I've never been more bullish on the future of the country. And that's where we need to keep our focus, and that's where we need to keep moving things forward. Joining the conversation today, help us elevate it on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500. Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll jump back in, see what's happening uh, in Congress on the electoral vote count. Any updates from Georgia, we'll deliver to you. And a few things to think about as we round out our program here at Inside Sources today. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.